I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. He has created an absolute Boys, we are here to rant. James, we have to do justice before we just slide right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races of all time. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a B team. What do they need? What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking world Wow. Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de la Prem. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem. Patrick, I hope you're not hungover anymore. You've had enough time to dust it off since the 100th episode. Because we are on to our 101 episode. What is it, Patrick? What do you mean? It's the 101st episode. Not 101th, first of all. Second of all, it's the 101 Dalmatians episode where James and I will be having 101 shots of beer over 101 takes. <laughs> it played so well, it's just going to be the format going forward until until we die on air. <laughs> you just get to watch us live out a slow alcoholic's death live. But it's content. It's not it's a problem. Get, it's content. It's going to get morbid, especially once the first one of us died and another one carries it on. Speaking <laughs> of... <laughs> It's going to be an in memoriam Prem de la Prem show. It 120 just, things I loved about James. You keep trying to kick it over to me, but I'm dead. It just gets really weird on air. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Unlike well, this, of course. Of, speaking of morbid, Patrick, we have no time for pleasantries. We got a date with Charlie Puth and his majestic piano. So grab mm. a box of tissues, don't be nasty, and settle in with us as we shed a tear and celebrate the legacy of our dearly departed managerial titans. They say the average Premier League manager lasts 70 games. Well, having managed 97 games at Newcastle and not ever being truly wanted for a single one of them, Steve Bruce can be considered a god amongst men on Tyneside. We will remember his awkward smile when reporters asked if he knew how to give a warm-up pre-match. We will remember his puffy red cheeks turning into the dugout, just like Santa Claus returning to his sleigh after a long night's work whenever Newcastle was losing their annual Boxing Day fixture. Most of all, we will remember his defiance when he was outright refusing to resign in the midst of Newcastle's financial takeover. At Prem de la Prem, we salute Steve, insert middle name here, Bruce. Steven Roger Bruce. Born 31st of December, 1960, nearly 1961, baby, but it wasn't to be. In Corbridge, England, stands six feet tall, currently unemployed. Illustrious managerial career from Sheffield United all the way through England to Newcastle United and every team in between, um, geographically, alphabetically, and in the table. What a ride it's been. Glad he got his thousandth game under his belt was worried about that, that he'd be stuck on 999 in perpetuity. And after his after his comments, uh, when he was uh, sacked, retired, left by mutual consent, who knows what it was, uh, we might have seen the last of Steve Bruce. And, and if, if that's the case, um, that's, a, that's a damn shame because he's a fixture of English football. And it'll be uh, sad to see him, sad to see him go. So I hope he's back in some, in some capacity. Patrick, I don't have the papers in front of me, but I would be hard-pressed to believe that it was a mutual consent uh, decision. Yes, I, I, I would. I think that's how it was framed. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that sounds better than being sacked, doesn't it? Really does. It really does. I would, um, at all points in my career, like to leave by mutual, mutual consent. Yeah, yeah. Or just on your own accord. You don't have to... Burn a bridge everywhere. You no, can. I want to make sure it's agreed upon. Mm. I want to make I want to make them feel like it was their idea. You want to have it have completely run its course. <laughs> no, you want nothing that's not left what I to said. <laughs> I want them to think like I'm doing them a favor. Oh, I understand. Does that make sense? I understand. Yeah, yeah, Does that yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, no. I mean, okay. I, it, it, they're, they're words, though. I'm not sure it's good career advice for any of the youngsters listening out there. It's not for the youngsters, it's for you. You can oh. learn a few things. Mm, fair enough. Next up, we're nailing another coffin. We discuss the man who coached as many games 
as there were coaches ahead of him on Daniel Levy's summer wish list. They called him the tail end of the CVS receipt, where they keep the coupons, but Spurs did not find any joy in this bargain buy. The man we endearingly called Lawrence Fishburne often left Spurs looking like damp squids out on the field, using his Wolves tactics without the pack behind him. But, as is so inevitably the case, whenever you're playing Harry Winks or Oliver Skip, instead of Ruben Neves or John Matinho, you're always going to have a tough go of things. We wish Nuno Espirito Santo a speedy return to the league with a newly sanctified spirit and purpose, and perhaps a few extra gray grizzles in that beard that we've come to know and love, gracing our television on the weekends. Nuno, Orlando, Simone is a Espirito Santo, born 25th of January, 1974, out of Sao Tome, in Sao Tome, Principe, in Portugal. Sitting at six foot two inches tall, uh, was a manager of, of several clubs in Europe before going to Wolves and having a great career, bringing them to the Premier League, starting anew at a step up, one was to believe, but it was a brief step, James. Perhaps one of the briefest. I honestly feel like I gave this a similar eulogy quite recently. Uh, could not have been more than 10 podcasts ago uh, because that's exactly what happened. Very short run at Spurs. Uh, we could go on, James. It's funny how you found the same exact words. Mm-hmm. Eulogy. You know, when I when I pay homage uh, to these managers that, that leave us behind, um, I like to be thorough, James. I like to be thorough. And in my thoroughness, uh, I have found consistency. And through that consistency, I found grace. And it is with grace that I will cede my time to two of our Spurs experts um, to get their opinion on, uh, on the managerial change, you know, out, but also Conti in. It is officially uh, no Nuno November uh, by what I'm seeing online, but I really don't want to spend too much time, um, you know, bashing the guy or, or poking fun at him. I think, you know, at the end of the day, by all accounts, he was he was a really decent dude, um, you know, generally well-liked, uh, brought a lot of positivity to the club at a time when we needed it. But, you know, as, as it was quite evident quite quickly, he was uh, in over his head. The team was playing really poorly and, you know, his departure was inevitable. I just don't think many of us would have seen it happening this fast. Uh, I think it's important to acknowledge how bad of a situation he really walked into, and I think he handled some things well. I mean, he had obviously the whole Kane saga hanging over his head, uh, players like Indomile asking for a move out of the club. Uh, obviously came in and was not even really on the list of managers we were considering, so never really had the backing of a club. When he started to hear the details uh, about his contract, obviously it was a two-year deal, but the clause of uh, finishing outside of the top six could lead to termination without any compensation. It was pretty clear the club never had really taken him seriously as as, as any sort of real long-term prospect. I think he was always somewhat of a glorified caretaker, and that obviously makes your position with the players untenable. You don't have a lot of authority. The club's not really backing you and in a way looking for – uh, the fastest path to get rid of you. Um, and then, you know, I think the stats and what we saw on the pitch spoke for itself, you know, near last in almost any meaningful attacking category, dreadful to watch, relegation level goal differential, losing Darby after Darby after Darby. Um, I think it just all was adding up to it's time to go. And ultimately at the end, I think the only thing really um, holding him in place or having any fans say, you know, we, this guy should stay is just what's the backup plan? What's the alternative? I think nobody was really thinking, let's go back to Ryan Mason was a serious alternative. So that was kind of keeping him in place. But, you know, the club found itself in a little bit of uh, purgatory, I would say, where we weren't really moving towards anything. We weren't building towards anything. And everyone was kind of just waiting for this era, era to end. So overall, I think it it was inevitable. And, you know, gladly there was quite quite the plan in place. Um, that I'm very, very happy about. And I think, I think the majority of the fan bases as well. The tale of Nuno Espirito Santo, a gentle bearded sideline commando, the counselor thrust into the pains caused by Harry and Charlie Keynes. Your successes are noted on the Hotspur Way wall with the words, barely here at all, 
The results are like a warty toad, like Coldplay, your middle of the road. Yet a gentleman you are, so have a bevy, go somewhere without Daniel Levy. Well, we've never considered ourselves Spurs insiders, have we, Patrick? That's no. what we have those bruisers for. Mm-hmm. I think they were stern but fair in their assessment of Nuno. And why don't we let Thomas and Mark tell the beautiful story of the Italian job and how Spurs went from Nuno to Conti and what they see lying in their future. Bienvenido, Antonio. I think I got that one right. But yeah, all kidding aside, I think after the mess this club's been through in the last two seasons or so, uh, maybe more, what that managerial search over the summer was, in the end, we've kind of landed on the guy we wanted all along. And that man obviously is also a top, top, top manager in the game. So I think there's excitement and optimism from from pretty much all corners of the fan base. Um, you know, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time talking about his credentials as a winner. Um, but I think I think the bigger things to touch on is just how he raises the level of of players. I think if you watch the team now, we're going through the motions at best. Um, so I think having that demanding, intense personality um, for the players that that's that are bought in is going to have um, a huge effect on on how the squad plays moving forward. Um, you know, I think a lot of people point at his demand for investment as another thing, and the fact that Spurs aren't known as big spenders necessarily. I think I think one they're going to continue to back him, um, but I also think that you know uh, his reliance on investment is overstated. I think he's often not gotten the players that he wanted or taken players that he had. Obviously, Victor Moses is an example. You know, even turning Ashley Young into a really viable player and a Scudetto winning team, um, you know, he he can do a lot with what he has. So I think that's going to be interesting to see of of who he kind of raises up. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, you know, not sure exactly how how he's going to set out and play tactically. I think most people are guessing some variation of three at the back. Um, I by no means think the squad is perfect, but uh, I think it definitely could suit that style um, really well. You've obviously got goals up top and Son and Kane, if you can get them firing um, quality in the midfield, though the last few coaches haven't really been able to solve it. And then some exciting pieces of the back, you know, notably Christian Romero, um, you know, is definitely the kind of player I think could thrive. So I think overall the team suits the way he wants to play. Um, and I think he'll, he'll be able to get a lot out of this team this season and obviously strengthening the squad and bringing more players in. I think prospects prospects look pretty pretty good long term, um, and you know I think in the context of things it's been you know kind of a, a good start to the season for Spurs with those first couple games and then things got kind of stagnated really quickly. But if you look at the bigger picture, we're ten games in and five points off fourth, so giving that a good run is totally reasonable. Um, you know, still in cup competition, so I think I think there's definitely some excitement on on this potentially being an exciting season and obviously giving giving him a couple windows to build. I think uh, the future is definitely feeling bright. So excited to see what comes. Come on, you Spurs. And in his place, Antonio Conte, who has been promised lots of money to reinstall a little ambition and make sense of Sergio Regulon. But is it just more of Daniel's folly to resurrect Dyer, Ali, or Endombele. Improve the football, Mr. Conti, and you'll get Vlahovic as a bounty. But if he succeeds, there is the chance to serenade Antonio with the best of chance. Oi, you over there, what was it like to have no hair? Well... Patrick, I love to see Thomas and Mark's brains in action right smashed up next to each other. It's a little left brain, right brain. And it reminds yeah, yeah, yeah. you, there's always many ways to go about a task. Yeah, they have the same brief. So let that be a lesson to you, James, when mm-hmm. you start explaining to me how to do some uh, do some podcasts. <laughs> Turns out Thomas sent us a macaroni art drawing. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant, James. It's absolutely brilliant. Oh, amazing. Well... Patrick, I believe you used this phrase with me in text, but when we think about Antonio Conte at Spurs, and this is going to have a little bit of deja vu with when we were breaking the Mourinho story. That's right. I said it. I stand by it. We broke that story. God damn it. That hairpiece of his is going to be put to the test 
Because if there's a coach that could rescue Spurs from themselves, it's Conti. But if yep. there's a team that could break Conti's streak of managerial success, it's Spurs. It is it is an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object, James. You have a manager who wins quite literally everywhere he goes. He's taken and he's done it at different levels, right? He's done it. Uh, he's taken teams from uh, Syria B, B yeah. to Syria. Uh, he's won the league in Syria with multiple teams. Uh, he's won the league. He's won this league as well with Chelsea, lest we forget, in a very short tenure. One that was uh, tumultuous by the end, but also one that I think you could say was uh, an overall success, especially in the in the context of Chelsea management. But he's got to do it mm-hmm. with a, a club. Like, we, we, like you said, we, it was pretty similar, though. Like we're starting to think Mourinho's kind of lost it and he's a little bit past it. But it was the exact same story when they signed uh, when they signed Mourinho. It's like this is a guy that's going to get you a trophy. Right, so it was the happen? proven winner. It, it, it was the same exact um, narrative of getting a proven winner over to Spurs, or so you think. But when we look back on it, Patrick, Mourinho was coming off United, and those wheels were off the bus. It was just mm-hmm. dragging on concrete by the end of it. It was it was a bitter, bitter environment that he was leaving behind at Old Trafford. So Mourinho had this sense of gamble to it. I think there's a, a sense of... I don't know. I don't know if you call it gamble, but a sense of short term with Conti and a little guardedness. Hence the uh, what is it, an eighteen month contract they signed with him. I think so, it's two and a half years. Maybe that last one is uh, mm-hmm. like an option one, but I thought they signed him till twenty twenty three, or maybe not. Maybe it is two and a half. That's, that's the case. I don't know. Anyway, continue. Okay. Well, it seems like they're still being guarded with Conti, but there is a clear difference in who's a manager who's shown signs of being past it. Um, I don't want to say they were vindicated, but Mourinho's more or less a glorified social media, media manager over in Rome. Damn uh, good yeah, damn good one at that. I mean, you don't want to take that away from the guy. But on Conti, uh, his, last, his last post, which he left willingly, was getting a team comprised of Manchester United rejects to a Scudetto in Italy and Inter Milan um, and making Romelu Lukaku the poster boy of of Serie A when Ronaldo was there too. So Mm -hmm. he is still, you could argue, entering, you know, he's completing the fourth piece of the puzzle in the four best managers in the Premier League. And I would like to see Klopp try and knock Ali out of that top four. We'll see how it plays out. It's going to be a fun one uh, to watch the two of them go go head-to-head. But I think, James, you, you nailed it. Conti has never been a, a long-term manager. I believe his longest tenure is three years, maybe just a, a smidge over um, when he was at Juventus and, of course, won, uh, did, a, did three back-to-backs uh, in, in Serie A. So it's one of those things where I think our Spurs... The question for me is, like, are Spurs good enough? Is that side good enough compared to the rest of the other sides in the league uh, to win the league in the next... Let's call it two or three years, right? Let's call it two or three years. Uh, and as it stands now, for me, the answer is no. Uh, but I don't think they're so far off if, you know, they can take these marching orders uh, and, and you know, really see some improvements under Conte. Uh, I'll be interested to see how they line up. I think we saw immediately in the, in the Thursday game, uh, the Conference League, which they, they eked out a W. Uh, More or less the, the same. They went to the back three, right? They went to the back three. So we know, we know it's going to be his system. That he's going to be imposing on this team, uh, and so it'll be interesting to see what the what the first team looks like. I think there's a few positions up for grabs. Uh, they think there's probably probably for me, including uh, Loris, probably six nailed on starters on that team. So it'll be interesting to see what what he does and how he how he sets that team out uh, to to compete. You know, they're very much in the European mix this early in the season, so their season's mm-hmm. far from over. Uh, he can certainly get them back into the Europa League and. Uh, you know, you have to say at this point, Champions League still obviously uh, within reach. Though, I mean, their their losses are piling up. They do have the five mm-hmm. wins, but they got five losses as well, zero yeah. draws. They have some pretty dreadful football, dreadful results. Uh, and it, you know, he's gonna it's gonna take some doing for him to get them on the right track. I think. And I, I, I for me, it's got to be the window. They got to get some improvement in. Uh, but it's it's a it's something where I, I'm interested to see what he does because he's a, he's a quality quality manager. Uh, and I mm-hmm. hope his streak gets broken here with Tottenham. I uh, I would have to say this squad does not have the makings of a team that's going to challenge. It's going to, like you said, it's going to be happening in the windows. 
January is going to be a very interesting indicator of what the fine print was in that contract and what the clauses were and how much he's allowed to work. Because he's not going to – you talked about unstoppable force meeting the immovable object. What is a star-studded squad with a bad coach against an average squad with a great coach? Because I think the latter is what you're getting with Spurs. I think this team is – Bang average, aside from those players who we've highlighted throughout the course of this season, those game changers. And they're going to need some injection. You know, I think even though Nuno took a lot of blame and a lot of flack, and rightfully so, when you talk about Eric Dyer, these were players who, uh, this was a player who Pochettino was trying to move along when he was asking for a squad refresh. You mentioned as much on earlier podcasts too. They still haven't replaced Christian Eriksen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, creativity in the in the midfield, yeah, and that much. Ellie Alley's not that guy. Brian Gill hasn't doesn't shown seem it yet. to be. Doesn't seem to be. So that much was on show against um, against United this past weekend, and they didn't exactly beat the brakes off of a test. They did some very Spursy things, which I'm sure Conti was furiously scribbling notes about to uh, go home and ponder on. Yeah, yeah, and I don't want to put too much weight in that. Obviously, they sacked their manager the next the next day or the next couple of days so obviously things weren't going great um what i think what i found was particularly interesting about this is that you got a whole bunch of uh, italians and then ryan mason named to the uh the spurs coaching staff <laughs> and so i think that they're looking at um if 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 i'm gonna kind of make a bold prediction here i think that antonio conte does his bit for a couple of years two three years and then they give ryan mason a proper crack on it afterward i kind of have a feeling that they're looking to go and I'm, like I don't know why he's on the coaching staff if not. So I think that's a little bit of a little Easter egg. Oh, I, I think like he's just. Back I think he's just the town fool. I don't think he knows Italian, and I don't think Conti's managerial staff has any intention of speaking English with him. But they let go of, like Ledley King and the rest, yeah. Like I think they just there's a re- like it's just weird that they kept him and nobody. No, else. no, I know. I'm having a go. It does. It yeah. does feel like they want a bit of Spurs DNA in that coaching staff, and then right. whether or not he goes on to have a bigger role, that's to be seen. Yeah, we'll have to see, but I just don't. You, everybody is more expensive in January. I think we're still kind of in these pandemic windows. You know, I think we're still probably another summer away from kind of getting a little normalcy mm-hmm. back into, uh, you know, club finances and free flow and market and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be tough sledding to do any sort of a squad refresh, move players on in January. I can't expect them to do all that much, and if they're going to get rid of Harry Kane, I. I I mean, I'm looking to this as, as, a, as a summer refresh, which is an yeah. interesting one for me. More but, likely, yeah, more likely, which makes results this season and immediate impact all the more interesting. Right. I, I think I don't is the think key it's here. a walk. You know, I, not underestimating Conti. I don't think it's a, a cakewalk to fourth place. And right. who are you gonna who are you gonna attract in the summer? And then, uh, it, depending on those players, how long is this project really gonna be? If you're um, if you're challenging for a title without players who uh, have come to play Champions League football. So yeah. it is an interesting knock-on effect that um, that we're going to see take place over the next few months. Yeah, I think they can get some good players in in the summer, especially if they got the funds to get rid of Kane. Sure. I think we were hearing, sure. right, was like $100 million plus whatever Kane sales are is his budget. You can do some damage with that. He'll need a third center back and then maybe – you know, a really strong midfielder and a winger, and all of a sudden you're like, oh. And then if you you know get Harry Kane out and you get somebody in for half the price, then then the, you know that's a decent refresh. So I think four 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 moves, assuming Kane leaves next summer. If he stays, then uh, three moves. They're like three mm. legit starters away from being in that kind of contention. So that all I, sounds well and good. Yeah, but Daniel Levy's wincing, wincing at the sound of that. No, especially when he picks up the phone and realizes nobody wants Eric Dyer. He's like, well, I thought he's worth $100 million. What about the English tax? Get Kane's brother on the case. He'll be striking gentlemen's agreements across the continent. He's going to send him over to Manchester City just wearing the number 10 Kane kit for a physical and just hope it all pans out. <laughs> now you see me, now you don't. Oh, shit. Patrick, yeah, no, it'll be if, fun. He's, it's, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's back because he's a proper character as well. It's, it's great. It's great to have all these big players in the league. What I will say, and Thomas touched on it in jest at the start of his, uh, his report, but if there is to be an early demise in Conti's reign at Spurs, every story is definitely going to start with the Bienvenido Antonio tweet as the moment things started to go wrong. <laughs> it's, I mean, they, they, they can even, they're either their social team bottles announcements. It's incredible. 
Surely that was one guy, just an executive order, being like, this sounds like Italian, fuck it. Post it. (laughs) I hope that didn't go through checks and balances. No, no chance, no chance. That's just a dude. That's that's just a dude who went on holiday to Rome and was just pissing everybody off. Yeah, by saying Benvenuto every time he showed up anywhere. Yeah, like, I had a pizza. I had a pizza express last night. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, don't need. <laughs> I got a question for you, Patrick. Yes. Well, I, I it it this is this is prime territory for us. So I do want to stick on it for a minute. But what do you think was going through? Conti's mind when he rocked up to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's his first day, and it's the same day they're celebrating 5,000 days without a trophy. And he's just doing the grand tour, like poking his head around. I I don't know. It was just it, it's it's just re- remarkable that these stats just keep coming out. 5,000 days without a trophy, and it was a League Cup, no less. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just I, I mean, you have to imagine he's not hearing about that. But if he is, that just makes me uh. All, all, all the happier, but it's a, it's a, it's, it's one that like it's a, it's a funny one that even happened, right? Because we were just like a, a couple weeks ago, not on air, because we took a little bit of a break, talking about him going to uh, Manchester United potentially, and then Manchester United smacks around Tottenham in a pretty lifeless performance, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we, we, we can talk about Ollie facing the sack, dude's like prime, prime Pep, prime Fergie blended into one uh, when he's about to lose his job. Uh, gets Nuno sack, gets his replacement off the market. Genius. But, and, but James, it felt to me like a must-win game, and I want to transition briefly onto that game into the United. It was I mean, uh, after the Atlanta game, right? You have just a disaster class save by Ronaldo yet again. Uh, you got the Manchester Derby this weekend. I don't know who's on the market. I don't know what the plan is, but is every game at this point a must-win for... For Ollie, or I mean, or the Manchester Derby, kind of, you, you probably can't win that outright. But you got Chelsea in a couple weeks. You got Villarreal in what's going to yeah. be a pretty crucial Champions League game. Then you got Arsenal. The schedule's not getting easier. He's got to go through this murderer's row. Can't mm-hmm. imagine he's coming out unscathed. Like, what are the vibes right now? Yeah, Conte uh, off the market basically is what I'm getting. Yeah, at. starting with United Spurs, it was quite literally a loser leaves town game. I think those are sometimes dubbed in jest, but that was straight up what it was, a.k.a. the Antonio Conte sweepstakes. And uh, I don't know who you want to say won or lost, but certainly in the sense of the game on the day, uh, United won. And to answer your question, Patrick, all bets are fucking off. There's there's no guarantee, no kill switch, no fail safe, no backup plan. The, 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 The statement given to reporters from insiders in the club was... He has Spurs, Atlanta, and City to save his job. And that was like if he loses two out of those three or if it's a clear continual slide after Liverpool, then he's out the job, right? Like that's it. You, right. can't, hold it. you can't hold it off any longer. It's over. What's just happened? We've beaten a Spurs team who I think other than Norwich would have been the ideal fixture, and that's no disrespect. That's just what they were going through with Spurs. I mean, with uh, Nuno, mm-hmm. we beat them. Tie Atlanta in another. It, like Paul Scholes' reaction says it all. He's just like, "How the fuck does this guy keep doing it and saving an Ollie disaster class like again and again with Ronaldo. worldies as well? Not even. <laughs> it's just absolutely incredible." Yeah, no, I was watching the game with Adam, and Ronaldo's goal goes in, and I just shake my head and go like, Pff, and he's like. He's like, isn't that good? Like, your team scored. And I'm like, ah, it's it's a long story. It's complicated. It's been a long fight. It's been a long fight. (laughs) So let me ask you this. You got the international break coming up. Does it... I'm going to assume that the result isn't the the tipping point. Is it the nature of the performance here, I suppose, that has Ollie's job in the balance against City at home in the Manchester Derby? He lays an egg. If that team lays an egg, performance-wise... Here's the scary thing, Patrick. If you if you match them like you know punch for punch and you yeah. lose two nothing, yeah. I, I I think it's good. But like where you're where are you at with the nature of the performance I, this weekend? I want to give you I want to give you a straight answer. We learn and we learn new things every week about Glazer standards. I thought after Liverpool, the nature of that performance, the final score, the Pogba red card, what have you, nothing could have demanded a sack more than that. And we were already on a run of bad results. And then it doesn't come. 
And that's why I went out of Zen when I went out of Zen mode because I was like, someone someone changed the rules on me. Like the script got flipped on me. Like this this isn't fair. And then right. you know, collect sure, myself sure, sure. to come back on air. But nature of performance. I mean, you would have to think if it's anywhere anywhere similar to Liverpool, where it's men against boys. You would have to think that's got to be the uh, the turnoff. <laughs> You know, unplug Ollie from the from the station in in the Glazers' home. But if it's anything like a game, anything that resembles two teams going at it, you know, Passion FC vibes FC. I'm telling you right now, their goal is to keep him in the job for the rest of the year. Right, That's and they're going to try as, as well. hard as possible to do that. So they're they're pulling for him to put get these performances so they they don't have to make that decision. What I think is just interesting about this span of games in the period of five weeks. You're going to play the three teams that you're meant to be amongst, right? Between Liverpool, City, and Chelsea at the start of the Arsenal. season. Every every United fan, you weren't meant to be here. Neither were we. But here we are, James. Identical <laughs> records, separated on goal differential. I want to see a graph. I want to see a graph of Prem de la Prem host expectations of the Prem de la Prem Bowl as it progresses. The seasons progressed. It's going to look like one of those like cardiograms. James, I'm trying so hard, man. I'm trying so hard. Oh, we'll to get keep to a level you. head. We'll get to you, bro. Don't you worry. Okay. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's tough times to be a United supporter because we are in a place where we know our ceiling and we know we're capped. That's what this season's revealed. We know we're capped, but you never want you never go into a game wanting to lose. You go into every you go into every week wanting to win, wanting to pull out a result, but knowing that. You're never going to win enough games in a row to challenge for a title, and things got to be real bad for the opposite to happen for you know for Ollie to totally. lose his job. So we're totally. we're floating in that that sweet sweet limbo right now, and uh, I just wish everyone out there a nice peaceful November December stretch going into 2022. I just hope Fergie's in the crowd so they can cut to him, <laughs> just from a production value. I just want the production value there. <laughs> I want I want the picture of his disappointment followed by the quote I, of him backing Ollie again. For every oh, for every uh for every viral image after a big win of Ollie pointing to Fergie in the crowd and like giving each other the the thumbs up, which which just warms your heart as a United fan. There's the one of that deep, deep exhale of Fergie oh. in the crowd that just puts the dagger right in you. I right. wouldn't hate it if he started to watch a few games from the from the comfort of his of his home for a little bit while the block's hot, but who am I to judge? Right. Yeah, maybe the people need him. <laughs> I don't like where you're going with this line of questioning. <laughs> you, look, I'm, I'm ready to move on. You tell me when, but if you don't want to, I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is my idea. <laughs> James, somehow you got onto this topic, and Patrick, I think you're bringing this back to my career advice. <laughs> Make me think it was my idea to bring up that Ferguson's not exactly helping things right now. Wait, what? What did oh. I just say? Oh. All right, let's bring it to our other half of the "See You Again" intro. There is a storm brewing in Tyneside, and I'm not talking about the toilet that Steve Bruce just evacuated. You proud of yourself, James? I didn't even have that one. That was top. That was top of the dome. Okay. We have a Saudi takeover in Newcastle. Yep. Uh, it's coming to a stadium, St James's Park, near you. We've got a new man in the building. We've got Eddie Howe there. I'm just gonna lay it out there, Patrick. Surely he's the guy before the guy. This is this is a uh, a stabilizing figure who knows what it's like to be in a relegation fight, not necessarily win them. But it's clear they wanted they wanted to take a swing at someone like an Emery who uh, came out in a very Emery respectful way, turned it down, and now you're looking at a much more feet on the ground versus head in the clouds appointment. Right. Well, he's got his work cut out for him. First off, uh, you know, there's alliteration actually works here. We got two teams with no wins, and their team name begins with an N, so we can call them No Win Newcastle and No Win Norwich. Until further notice, they're on notice. And as is Eddie Howe. He's six points out of safety. Eddie Howe's already on notice. I, well, here's the thing. I think the funniest thing possible would be for this takeover to happen and they get relegated. I think that would be the funniest thing possible. But no matter what happens, we're gonna we're winners. We're all winners. 
hundred percent. But I also think Eddie Howe is kind of in like a like a no lose situation for me uh, because if they get relegated, it's not a desirable job. Eddie Howe's kind of been that manager before. So he's actually kind of well qualified for that job to get them back into the Premier League. But what do you mean that it's not a desirable job? I'd say it's one of the most desirable jobs on the market right now. To take over a newly relegated team is what I'm saying. Like if they go down. Oh. um, I'm talking like the end of the the year, right? They're either going to stay up or they're going to go down. And if they go down, it's not as desirable of a job. And Eddie Howe would be on the list of like most qualified managers for that level. You know right. I mean? so oh, so you're, th- you're thinking it's a little preparation of who could keep the job next well, season if they were. What there. I'm saying is, like, if Eddie Howe gets, if they get relegated with Eddie Howe, sure, you can always sack a manager if you get relegated, but it also kind of feels like, but, like who would be better that would take that job? Like, you're not going to get, like, I feel like the, the, you made the perfect point, right? They wanted an Emery type. Who knows who else is on their long list, um, or on the short list, rather, long term. But it kind of feels like those types of managers you get in the summer. Many times those managers want to put their, their fingerprints on the squad in the summer, mm-hmm. really have time to work with the team, mm-hmm. and don't want to kind of take things over midseason. That was a big surprise, actually, with the Conte appointment. Didn't expect him to be coming in midseason, but it just kind of seemed like the stakes were just so high that, you know, they made an offer he couldn't refuse. But anyway, Eddie Howe stays up. Then he's the manager at Newcastle, I think, another year. And then if they're not, I think they set unrealistic expectations, and they sack them, and then they're on, they're on their way. Uh, but it's a... Carl was saying it's just like such a it seems a lazy appointment like one they could have made at any point uh, I wonder how much they're paying them that landed them but uh, hey you know it's it's, well, it's a side that needs to move quickly they've had an embarrassing embarrassing start to the season yeah they've got a, it's a, a funny a, one we we talk about his ability to manage them with a view to next season if they're in the championship but before we even start thinking that way I think it would be catastrophic if Newcastle, with their ambitions and their new ownership, even had to play a season down there. It would be box office. And I mean yeah. that in the opposite sense of the word because no one's going to watch it. But just for the means, it would be box office if they sure, were down so in the championship rolling 100%. out rolling out Coutinho. But they're going to do something stupid in January. <laughs> well, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on because I do want to get to that. But lastly on the manager... It's, it is funny that they pulled the trigger now on a well-mean appointment when I genuinely think if things got worse at Everton over the next one, two weeks, we could have had a firework appointment of Benitez being being ushered back over to the Northeast mid-season and just leaving, crazy. leaving Everton in the lurch. Um, Again, back-to-back managers. To feel that unwanted would be pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Let me quickly, this is Newcastle's like schedule. They're away to Brighton, home to Brentford, way to Arsenal. Then they got the relegation battles with Norwich and Burnley at home. I'm going to call those must-wins at this point in the season. And then they got to go to Leicester, Liverpool, City, United, Everton, and then we're at the window. So yeah. they have a very difficult run. There's zero chance they're out of the relegation zone, in my eyes, by the start of the January window. And that's when the fireworks are going to start. And I can't wait. Oh, 100%. Uh, from now till January, it's funny. You think the, two, you think the team's going to get a bounce from, this, from all this news that's been happening. But in reality, it's not like a new manager's come in and they suddenly feel like they need to prove themselves to a new person. Obviously, Steve Bruce is out. But like a takeover doesn't necessarily just change the quality of your team. It's not till you start putting that money on the table and bringing in new players. So they are going to continue to be ass, like you said, at least until January. And then we can just start thinking about some hilarious names that they're going to cart into uh, into Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah, Callum Wilson's look decent. So I feel like they just need to shore up. They need, to, they need some help yeah. in that midfield. Lock down St. Maximin and uh, Callum Wilson. But that is a very average midfield core and defensive line. Yeah. Ugh, very poor. Very poor. But anyway, yeah, we'll have to see how they get on. Uh, game against Brighton uh, on Saturday. That one should have our attention to see how... Uh... Eddie Howe, welcome back to the Premier League. Good to see you. Give me a few names. Uh, give me a few names of people who you think Newcastle will be linked with in January. And like even possibly realistic. How high are we aiming? I think Coutinho is, is like the... One of them that's on my my list, Umtiti. For some reason, one. that one just rolls off the tongue. Oh, Umtiti, that's a good one. Yeah, because he can't seem to get a game in at Barca. He's got a ridiculous contract. They want to get rid of him. Yeah, uh, but he's not going to take a pay cut. 
Um, just bloated think. contract players, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if they if they were being, um, I, I just don't know other teams of this lo- this this kind of like I feel like somebody in like that Rob Holding tier would be kind of a decent like get like the the third or the fourth center back or the the fourth center midfielder on you know one of the the larger sides who's not getting any minutes, not mm-hmm. getting any play, or those mm-hmm. teams clubs are bloated. You can get kind of this um, Donny Van de Beek. Yeah, I mean, that would be a hell of a get. That would be a hell of a get. Yeah, that would be a hell of a get. I'm sure Chelsea's got some people just, you know, that they paid $70 million for just sitting away, you know, wasting away on the bench. Uh, City probably as well has similar folks. Like, what about, like, I mean, I don't think he would go. Yeah, I was going to say Fernand Torres, but I think he's still relatively useful for City. Um, yeah. They come in waves. They come in waves, those City players. You never know who the flavor of the month's going to be. Right, right. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I, I, I do think Coutinho. I think I think the the big the greatest pairing for this are players with Barcelona, given their financial crisis, uh, perceived quality, and the fact that Newcastle has unlimited resources. Yeah, watch this space, Patrick. Let's talk about their friends accompanying them at the bottom of the table. It's got to be pretty rough, well, pretty rough in the life of a Nor- of a Norwich fan cuz you are clearly too good for the championship but nowhere near good enough for the Premier League. I don't know where they go from here. And it seems like everyone's just cool with uh was it Daniel Fark, David Fark, whichever their whatever his yeah. name is. Well, uh, Daniel Fark get out of 20th place once for me to learn your name <laughs> as a manager. <laughs> that's a that's a Dixon's rule right there. It's got to be. For me to... They seem like content with him. To be that, like, uh, yo-yo type manager and yo-yo type club. You know, every other year they get... But, I mean, we talked about it, man. Their ambition of selling uh, Buendia uh, Mm -hmm. and just bringing in loan players. I mean, you got to think if Billy Gilmore was healthy, maybe that changes a little bit. I think they were probably relying on him quite a bit. Uh, But, again, if you're relying on Billy Gilmore, like, what's your ambition? Again, I Mm -hmm. think he's a great player, but, you know, he's not necessarily proven yet and it is a, like a very clear like loan to a lower tiered side to get more experience maybe you couldn't have kept Buendia but he's the championship player of the year and you were just out you go like the goal was to get him he wanted to go to the Premier League and then you went right. to the Premier League and he's like I don't want to be here well it seems like they did a bit of a funnily enough a bit of an Aston Villa play you know reinvest the Jack Grealish money or in this case reinvest the Buendia money in in a few other players to fill the gap but as both clubs are learning the sum of the parts don't necessarily equal the whole that's that's been left behind because they brought in a few players who you know just like Daniel Fark I can't really remember their names because I don't think they've been that impactful um they've they've tried to spread the floor oh Rashika was the guy but you know You've got an aging Timu Puki, and it's and it's really a mess. And for me, the alarm bells were going off. Like first game of the season, they lost three mm-hmm. 0 to Liverpool, and Daniel Fark just came out jovial, laughing. He's like, "Well, these aren't the games we're going to win, are they?" And it's like, "Well, it's not exactly the demeanor I would cut, but yeah, you're right." Yeah. So there's bad, and there's real bad. They have three goals scored in ten games, twenty five conceded. So they're going to score once every three games, and they're going to give up two and a half a game. They've been able to manage two draws, eight losses. Uh, this is Sheffield United. What was it? Two, 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 three years ago? I think it was two, three. No, it was actually last year. Last year. Last. They started yeah. so bad. I think they had two or three points in the first whole half mm-hmm. of the season. Still managed to finish up on twenty-three points. They the they record, did the equivalent of covering the spread in the fourth quarter in garbage time to not have 100%. like a historic, terrible. Yeah, I say I say circle Norwich. I think it's I think it's 16 points. I think that they are they are in contention for worst worst Premier League season points wise of all time. I think they're that bad. I like it. I like it. Who have we got? Ooh, Brentford. Bounce back smacked. game. They're getting smacked by everybody. Give them a shot, they're Patrick. Get absolutely waxed. Give them a no, shot. I'm not giving them a shot. I'm not giving them a shot. They've earned nothing. I mean, honestly, this is a run. You have for earned Brentford, Southampton, Wolves, Newcastle. This is a run where they need to they need to get some mm-hmm. points. If they come out of this, I mean, we've already proclaimed they're going down, so there's not even a take anymore. But if they can, no, if there's they no take. There's no t- there's no honor. Games. There's no honor in here. It's just picking apart the bones. Yeah, they're a problem. Well, they're a big problem. Before we get into our main segments, 
Let's finish with your boys, Patrick. This is going to be an exercise in self-discipline for you where throughout the course of our talking about Arsenal on this, on this episode, you have to not move your mental goalposts and expectations. But I'll start mm. by saying that victory over Leicester, a game that put Arteta in serious contention for manager of the month, really looked to solidify a lot of his decisions about the squad and how the, you guys are playing. You've got to be over the moon. Yeah, I mean, it's there were as much as as, as the narrative was, you know, trust the, the trust the process was getting memed, right? You know, trust the process. Yeah, he'll figure it out, and everyone's like, let's keep Arteta, let's keep Arteta. Uh, you know, it it wasn't easy, and we're we're far from out of it, right? This is a patch of good form. This is seven seven games unbeaten in the league. Is nothing to scoff at uh, since the know, first three losses, right? Correct. Yeah, and you know, you think. Look at look at the sides that were fielded in those first three games. I don't really think he had a full you know uh, kind of a full squad to work with. Not to say, I'm not sitting here saying let's let's get on, let's go be a Champions League side. Uh, but it's encouraging. This seems to be the steps in the right direction. The game against Spurs, uh, the game against Aston Villa, the game against Leicester, sides that traditionally maybe not traditionally but more recently we've looked second best against. We mm-hmm. took the game to them. There were still mm-hmm. points in both of those games, all of the, all three of those games, uh, where I, th- I think Arsenal still showed their lack of maturity, probably their their age, and I'd say lack of confidence in seeing a result out. But they managed to get all of them done. I'm not going to forget that they were very clear second best best to to, to Brighton in Crystal Palace right before sure. Uh, sure. a couple of these. Um, and so I think it's one of these these game these these situations where uh, you know Arsenal still are going to have these ups and downs. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say Champions League is the target. Europa League is still the target for me. Uh, this is a, a run of games that we needed to get results in because these are the teams we're supposed to be competing with, right, for, for Europa League places. These are the teams we need to be beating, flipping three points over on them. Uh, we got Watford uh, this week before the international break. Hopefully we're riding high into that. And then there's Liverpool after. We're not calling that one of those old banana peel games. Honestly... For my own mental health, it might be good to get a little draw there, lower the expectations again, oh. because oh, I'm no. going to be feeling nice and spicy going into Liverpool, James, and Arsenal right. gets spanked at Anfield. Right, but that's that Anfield, feeling That's that feeling of waking up 9.30 a.m. November 20th going, this could be our year, lads. Let me tell you this. We've just beat Watford 1-0 at home, and I am feeling myself. I'll tell you, those goalposts are getting moved if we get a point at Anfield. A point. I don't care. It doesn't need to be all three. If we get a point at Anfield, those goalposts are getting moved completely. And I'm coming in here like Vince McMahon talking Uh about we're going to the Champions League. Yeah, money in the briefcase. Money in the briefcase. You're just going to be wearing a suit for the rest of the year. Okay. Hey, it's been it's been a fun it's been a fun little ride. It's good to be winning. Haven't lost since uh, August. And honestly, I said this. you, You made fun of me this last season. I think the lack of European football is playing into the into the color advantage. A hundred percent. Like actually be, being able to graft week in, week out on the training pitch. And recover, play a consistent starting eleven. You know, I think it's really, really been helpful. Uh, oh. and of course they're gonna have to evolve. We don't wanna always not be playing in Europe. That's not the ambition. Uh, but I think that's yeah. kind of what the squad needed. It's just this we needed to slow things down to build. Uh, and it seems think to be about, working in the short term, at least. Yeah, to, to, that, to that exact point, Patrick. Think about the amount of times a team with a squad that is not built to play on the continent as well as domestically. How many right. times those teams just break down? You're kind of seeing it a little bit with Leicester, um, having to mm-hmm. you know having to manage both games about West in Ham the Premier well. League and Europa. West Ham, well, they just made it through to the to the knockout round, so so props yep. to them. But uh, you know, I just mean like long term, like it's a lot of games right. in their season. No, certainly, especially because you get that round of thirty two that everyone loves in the Europa League Thursdays. And then of course, like Brighton's head was an entire pretzel. Like they've almost never recovered from when they went to the Europa League a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it really allows your team to. Yeah rest, lick their wounds, or, you know, keep the good momentum going without any hiccups. Totally. Um, and then the last thing, 99% of what I do with you when we talk about Arsenal is tongue-in-cheek, and I'm working on it. I'm mm-hmm. working on it with you. Mm-hmm. And I do, as part of that, just want to acknowledge that the Ramsdale call, which seemed insane to me at the time, is is paying dividends and some, because uh, he, he basically had his De Gea game 
Like his uh, the, yeah, Hale versus it, Arsenal game against Leicester, like doing some insane stuff. I don't think there's a single person who can go back to that uh, signing and say, yep, absolutely nailed it. Exactly what I thought Aaron Ramsdale was going to do. How quick it was he was going to do it, how well he was going to play. Um, yeah, it was an English tax. This is way too much. He's way too young. Oh, they, you know, he was on the last two relegated teams, so he's going to go go for three in a row. He's getting all of it, but I mean, he's built for it. He's built for it. He's got the mentality. You saw him getting on with the uh, uh, the, the chance against him with the Leicester fans. He he just loves the game of football, and it's a joy to watch. And he's playing out of his skin. Uh, again, I'll be interested to to see how people react when when uh when he's got that first blunder. Every keeper has him, so it's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. But man, he is he is well loved, and a lot of these new signings are. Nuno Tavares has made Kieran Tierney's injury invisible. Uh, Tomiyasu nailed on starter week in week out. Ben White is getting a lot of a lot of love himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you know obviously all the young kids. Emil Smith Rowe I think is having himself a an absolute time. So it's been it's been fun to watch things actually kind of coming together for once. I'm enjoying it while it lasts, uh, and hopefully it lasts for, for for a hell of a long time. But see me after the Liverpool result. Uh, just know that before then, my official stance is we're we're fighting for the Europa League. Uh, right. But I'm right. I'm ready to I'm ready to lose my mind. You're on to Cincinnati. Yeah. I, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We get, we're into our three games of run in before the Prem de la Prem Bowl. And I don't know how many more times I can take not getting points off of you through the duration of the podcast. We're like three, four match weeks away. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's quite nuts. It's quite nuts. Um, Nobody knows what United could look like. They could have dissolved as a team by December 2nd. Anything's in play. It's got to be the most head-scratching fixture in the league. Maybe it's just because we talk about it so much, but it's the one that I can't. I'm just enjoying it. We just can't make the sense out of it. Y'all have won the league since 2017 mm-hmm. against us. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. No, and, and it is really when my tongue-in-cheekness comes home to roost on those exact oh, yeah. fixture days. And it's well-deserved, yeah, if we're being honest. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. And just okay. to text yeah. you something oh-so-innocent uh, when, when things don't go your way. <laughs> yeah, it's what, it's, what, it's what you did all but 15 minutes ago with, uh, with Sir Alex Ferguson in the United segment. This is how he operates people. It's honestly, worse. That. It's honestly worse than direct aggression. Yeah, I kill you with kindness. <laughs> Trojan horse just, style. Just the one text, unlucky, period. <laughs> I sent that after the Pogba red card. <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. You were there watching. Yeah. And I was, yeah, yeah. I think my Can response Leo get off the po- goddamn couch? I was like, ooh, James, that one, that one might be bad. <laughs> I think it was my exact, I think that's how I responded to the tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, fitting transition to Freak of the Week. Hit it. Patrick, you're riding a high. Why don't you go ahead and go first? I don't even know how to say his first name. I think it's Juan. Um, but Mr. Juan Laporta, chairman of Barcelona, Getting my freak of the week. Two things came out in the news, I believe both this week, certainly in the last couple of weeks. First off, um, he he basically, like Messi, Messi kind of, uh, I don't know exactly what he, what he said, but he threw him under the bus basically saying his story about how, you know, we offered Messi, uh, Messi 50%, we offered to go lower, and then that was the end of it. Um, there was no counter to the 50%. They... Yeah. Uh, that didn't happen, and Messi threw him right back under the bus. Uh, said that he was going to come back and, and and you know you know help Barcelona down the line. And second, um, they after sacking uh, Coleman, he goes and asks him to take a discount on his severance. And Coleman says, "No, thank you. I would like it all up front." And then he goes yeah, to yeah, Ronald the media Coleman seems thinking, like the kind of guy who would do that. Yeah, and he he goes to the media thinking. He's going to look like the good guy. It's like, no, dude, learn how to honor a contract. Freak of the week, Laporta. You're running Barcelona worse than I would, and I'd be horrible at it. But I'd still have Messi, guaranteed. Patrick, I think you're on record on Prem de la Prem all but a few weeks ago um, singing his praises for for navigating them through this tough time. Yeah, because I thought he did good work until, you know, the stories come out. Until you start to understand what kind of guy he is. Yeah, no, he had some good... The, dotted the line. thing is, he just <clears throat> took over from a worse guy. That doesn't make him good. But it was just like the... Now that I can't see the other guy, I forgot his name already. 
I'm just looking at him and I'm like, oh, wow, that's shit. Uh, Bartomeu. Yeah. It's like Bartomeu is this huge piece of shit. And then Laporte is just a regular piece of shit. And I look at him, I'm like, wow, Laporte, you look great. And then Bartomeu gets out of there and I'm like, whoa, turns out you're just a piece of shit. Maybe that's harsh. I don't know the guy, but freak of the week. Who's yours? It's not great. It's not great, Patrick. I went the continental route as well. <clears throat> and it's also a week of proud Italians getting the headlines. So I want to talk to you about newly promoted Venezia FC and their upper crust attitudes in general. Uh, so this year they dropped four of the swaggiest kits of the year. That's objective. It's just a fact. Um, and apparently ESPN's Twitter account posted each of them with a filter on them. And they were met with this response from the official Venezia FC Twitter account. Why is ESPN editing these photos? Guess the fashion photographers from Venice and Milan needed someone in world art capital, Bristol, Connecticut, to apply the finishing touches. (laughs) That's incredible. So I don't know who's getting my freak, whether it's ESPN for sticking their nose in a pie they don't belong in, which is fashion, or Venezia FC for just being the ultimate Americans ruin everything Italians. That's like uh, Daniel Levy, master of negotiations, who knows everything. It's just got so much salt to it. I absolutely love it. Right. Right. It's like Harry Kane's brother thinking he has a certification as an, as an agent. But you said it would, it would be a gentleman's agreement. <laughs> I've only gone and got you a gentleman's agreement. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> I got you one of these. My brother. <laughs> <laughs> Sign on the dotted line. Ha-ha! There is none if it was a gentleman's agreement. <laughs> and that was my British accent, and that's why I don't do it very often. Slides it What's back down James? his cuff. A dove comes out. <laughs> anyway. Turns out was, he's a magician. That was our impression of Harry Kane's brother being a magician. I hope you guys like that. Larry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just taking the piss. Now you're just taking the piss. Just now. Goal of the week. I'll go ahead and take this one, Patrick. It's Cristiano Ronaldo against Spurs. Best player in the world scoring yet another amazing goals against one of the worst teams in the world. Um, we t- <laughs> in the world. <laughs> it, 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 it was going to take a piece of class or maybe two pieces of class to separate these two teams of trash. And Bruno Fernandez doing what he does, which is having an all-around godforsaken performance and then just teeing up an absolute worldly assist to the man himself the cu machine and it's just it's just one of those volleys where you're beating what people seem to think a world-class keeper in hugo larissa is at a tight angle one touch sweet as a nut um i think it really started the uh the actual like quiet down on the rumors of him being a problem at United, which I was pretty tired of seeing, as as has been well documented. So it's get it, it's going to my boy Ronaldo. Mine's going his way as well, James. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the perf- perfection of the technique. Uh, you know, people were talking about the Bruno pass, but you know, as, as good as the Bruno pass was, I'm not trying to take away from that. Yeah, uh, there's, you know, there's a there's a a baker's dozen of guys in the Premier League who can make that pass routinely. Mm-hmm. There's very few that are hitting that volley as pure, as hard, and as precise mm-hmm. as Ronaldo did. Uh, Inch-perfect finish. Obviously, the one time on the volley. I mean, it's just it's it's one of those game. It's one of those goals that I think is is if you've ever if you've ever laced up the boots in any capacity, you know just how difficult that technique is. To actually, just to hit it clean. You know, even if you mash it 100 yards over the crossbar, you're like, oh, I caught that one. You know, but he puts it in a, in a it's just, it, it just blows my mind. The the, the ability and the skill uh, of Ronaldo, and it's just a Every nailed time. on goal of the week for me. Yeah, it's beautiful. Appreciate of course, in that, the champion, Patrick. In the, in the Champions League as well. Oh, uh, ye- just, it's, you know, wh- why not? You, you've gone on, you've gone on, on record on this cast and, and pretty much said, the Ronaldo-Messi debate is not subjective in the sense that you're either... Ronaldo GOAT fans are either United fans or can't see. Don't have vision is, I, I believe, how you worded it. I like to look at it as 
you've got Messi on one side. He's poetry. He's a beautiful poem. He's an immaculate piece of art hanging in a museum. He's a glass of wine on a nice spring eve. Ronaldo is like what it feels like to chew five gum. He's yeah, like... Ronaldo's a shot of tequila. He's like you're standing on a train track and the train's coming at you and it's a bullet train and you're like, well, these are my, this is my time to say my prayers. It's just yeah. old inevitable. And I think there is an element of that you can appreciate. And if you just happen to elevate that, that's what matters to you as your goat, then that's your choice. Um, yeah, because what he was doing in the Champions League, that Squid Game meme has been used time and time again over the past couple weeks because Ronaldo is single-handedly ensuring he's not playing on a Thursday once in his career. There's no, yeah, there's no way he's doing it. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Ronaldo. What's your goal of the month? My goal of the month, thank you for letting me go again. You know, you could look at me for picking out Ronaldo and saying I'm biased, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a big enough man to say my goal of the month is Mo Salah against Man City. It's not only my goal of the, one, goal of the month, it's one of the best goddamn goals I've ever seen in my entire life. It had occasion, it had star opposition, the amazing solo dribble, the immaculate finish. Um, you might be hearing this one from me again. Who's to say? You know, there's a lot of season left. But, you know, thinking back to our very contentious Hyung Min Son goal of the season, I think it is fair to say that this one just stands head and shoulders against uh, above that one. Most solid against City. It was a damn good one, James. Uh, mine is going to go uh, to Yuri Tielemans <laughs> against Manchester United. <laughs> This goal, talk about... I don't know if this is a bit or not. It's not. It's not. The solid okay. goal was incredible. This this, 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 um, this goal of the month, if you haven't, go watch the Premier League's Goal of the Month nominees. I shit you not. It's probably one of the best months ever. I don't know all the months ever. I don't know all the goals that were nominated. But every single one of these goals is is absolute class. Tielemans on here twice. Salah's on here twice. Ronaldo's in there. Uh, it was a great month. You know, Callum Wilson, overhead kick. was one of the worst goals that, 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 that we had this month. Not the worst goal that we had this month. One of the worst nominations. But the Tielemans goal, again, it's one of those things that I think just the technique is, it, it's incredible. Okay. Uh, to shoot, kind of spinning across his body, lobbing it up over the goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, One-time finish. It was technically, you know, a perfect strike. Uh, when only a perfect strike would have would have done. Yeah. And, uh you know that that needs to be appreciated. And James, you know maybe maybe if uh, we did a little bit more podcasts in October, that would have found its way in the goal of the week territory, not the goal of the month territory. Uh-huh. But here we are, Tielemans. Okay, goal of the month. I, I I respect that. And now I'm going to ask you a completely unrelated question. Yeah. Can a goal of the month be a goal of the season? I don't think so. But a goal of the week can. So you, okay, so a goal of the month cannot, in your book, be a goal of the season. I don't think so. I'd have to check the handbook, though. I'd have to check. That explains a lot, and that's all I needed. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, fair enough. All right. Fine. Degenerate District. Fine. Uh, Closing out, guys. um, So my honorary freak of the week is Bavada, who um, shut my account down. Um, Had to work hard to get that back. Uh, Actually, in the end, ended up clearing quite a significant negative balance. Uh, And then all I have left are... Uh, way too many open bets on the Washington football team winning the division this year. So that's just wasted money. But I'm back. I'm in it. I had to use another sports book that doesn't give me as good of odds, but I was still holding firm. We're just going to keep it simple for you. Lock of the week. I'm going with Brighton and Hove Albion. They are at home against Newcastle. There will be no new manager bounce with Eddie Howe. Newcastle are hot garbage. Brighton mm-hmm. is playing some of the best football under uh, uh, Sean Porter. Potter, Grand Potter. What's his name? <laughs> Grand Potter. Grand Potter's right. It's got to be right. Don't, don't, don't confirm or deny, James. We're going to the tape. It's Grand Potter. I've nailed it. Carrying on. They're minus 160 to win at home against Newcastle. Lock it in. Uh, your uh, Harry Potter's you, boys are going to do them this weekend. Yeah, your, uh, your, spicy, your spicy meat to ball uh, is going to be something that's just... James, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I'm going to ride it until I can. Chelsea minus two and a half goals is getting me a plus 205.
They're beating everybody by multiple goals. They got squad depth. They got Burnley at home. Burnley didn't give them too much of a shout, but they're in the relegation zone this year with just the one win. They're getting spanked. They are coming off their win, their one win. Correct. And then that they're just going to come right back down. Okay. Then we're going to head over to the Manchester Derby, James, yep. our donkey. Looking forward to this. I'm going with a draw mm-hmm. at, my, at plus 310. Ollie has a decent record. Actually, I think a better than decent record against Manchester City. They are at home. He's against the sack. City's good, but, you know, Pep and City, they, they, they can slip up. They can get in their own way. I think a draw is in play here, and at plus 310, um, if I'm waking up at 530 in the morning, I got to bet on a draw. I got to bet on a draw. I've got to always have something in it, whether it's no goals or a goal right. for another team or a goal for right. this. I'm, the draw's got to keep me spicy. So that's it. That's a degenerate district, and, and that's it. Enjoyable. Enjoyable all around. Great work, Patrick. One of your best. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We just keep getting better this season here on Prem de la Prem. It's so good to be back and not incoherently drunk for this episode. It's nice to get back yes. to the basics. Um, I think with every you know 100th episode of the podcast, you do have to kill a few managers. It's the blood sacrifice. So yep. we look ahead. We look ahead to new, new days for Spurs and Conti and new days for Newcastle and Steve Bruce. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Prem de la Prem. What's up, Prem heads? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts at Prem de la Prem, a Premier League podcast, and smash that subscribe button for all other interviews, segments, and hot takes that you can handle. You can also find us on Instagram for some fire content at Prem de la Prem podcast. No spaces, no punctuation, just like life.